So after, uh, so far in this deployment, surviving like a dozen IEDs just in one day, I already have lost three of my friends. Um, one of them I was already on a deployment in Kosovo with, and I knew him pretty well. Um, survived my my own IED blast from a freaking attack that we were basically pushed into going into. Well, at this point, you know, after being uh, notified that we we're being extended and None of us really knew how to take this news really well because, I mean, we're all exhausted mentally, physically. You know, it's, uh, the color in life has faded pretty much to all of us. And the, the idea of uncertainty was just growing by the day. Um, well, shortly after our extension, too, we went on, we went on more more dangerous missions, and of course, I always continue to lie to my mom, telling her that I wasn't doing anything that was dangerous, other than sitting in a guard tower, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to have her panic, and I remember one time, I somehow sent a picture home to my mom, through a guard tower that I was actually in at the time, and just to kind of show her I was doing safe stuff, and you know, this is what Iraq looks like, it didn't even dawn on me, the the fucking windows in this guard tower I was in was peppered from bullet holes. And of course, her, uh, when I did talk to her again, you know, when I did call home to talk to her at one point, she of course mentioned that. She's like, so do you get shot at all the time at your guard towers? And I'm like, why would you say that? Well, cause I see all them bullet holes on the window. I'm like, oh yeah. Those were already there. So, I mean, I, I literally tried to mislead my mom because she already hated the idea of me being over there. And my brother was over in the Gulf, um, came Persian Gulf, on his uh, naval stuff on an aircraft carrier. But we continue to do uh, more missions, and one mission that... We did shortly after. I, I remember we occupied a house kind of right along that same area we were in before when we were in that school. And I slept through a firefight. And this was probably a few miles down from that. We uh, were on a mission. I remember we, we uh, on our way out to this house, I was in the back of some, it's a Marine 7 ton. So basically a troop carrier with an open top. So there was like, there, there was no protection in this uh military vehicle I was in, because I was just sitting in the back, other than the sidewalls, that was all we had in this for armor, but I remember I was kind of sitting by the rear gate, looking out the back door, and we're making a turn, you know, it was kind of a snake, kind of a snake turn kind of road we're on, and probably about 10, 10 20, maybe 20 feet after one of the turns we took, on this road that was kind of curvy and snaky, I fucking watched an IED go off, probably like 15 feet from me. You know, it's, I think at this point in the deployment, we all just kind of laughed and chuckled at it. <laughs> in fact, I remember yelling out really loud, miss me fuckers, and we just kept going. And uh, 
So we continued on going to this uh, house where we're linking up with the rest of our guys. And I remember when we uh, got to this house, it had no windows. It was just basically bricks. And it was right along the shoreline of the Euphrates River. And it was probably like 4 o'clock, 5-ish. I mean, it was sun was starting to, you know, it was the end of day. So it was starting to get... You know, we're starting to lose the the daylight. And I remembered I um, took all my gear off in this room. That some of the guys were, you know, we're, we're trying to hunker in, you know, kind of get a rest plan going. So, because we knew the next day we're going to be up early doing a lot of stupid shit. So, I remember I, I was taking off my body armor, threw down my rucksack. And I was probably kind of directly in line of this one window. And I can kind of see the shoreline of the Euphrates, and I can see the river looking through this window. And for whatever reason, I was fixated at this window frame. And out of nowhere, I heard this fucking loud crack. <laughs> I heard this loud fucking crack right outside the window I was probably like 10 feet from. And people started yelling out, Sniper. And I fucking, I fucking dropped down and tried to get my shit back on. And I was literally kind of like right in front of this window. And I was actually like, holy fuck, there was, there was zero in on me. Because I was the only dude kind of near the window, which was stupid. Lesson learned. And so everybody was just kind of like on pins and needles and fucking, we were all on guard and we we're looking for any kind of movement, any kind of you know, flash from a distance, but that could be a scope or whatnot, and nothing, but maybe 15 minutes goes by, and it was, I'm like, okay, well, I just continued on what I was doing before, <laughs> it's like, fuck it, took my body armor back off, and um, repositioned my rucksack, started opening it up to get my sleeping bag out, and I'm looking out this window again, the same fucking window, that this fucking round just cracked against the window frame. And I don't know what it was or why I could sense it, but I'm looking out this window and I kind of like hesitated. And all of a sudden I started hearing machine gun fire and I could see the rounds fucking landing right in front of the window. I was damn near in front of again. And at that point it was like everybody was just fucking shooting back. I remember uh, I could hear the fucking machine guns on top of the house fucking going off. Um, my interpreter, he had a shotgun. Even he was fucking shooting across the river. I remember seeing my uh, lieutenant coming down these steps fucking yelling out some some, uh, some numbers. Basically, we're calling in artillery now. I remember in the hallway with all my gear, my rifle, and I'm trying to find the, en <coughs> the enemy... Trying to figure out where the fuck everyone was shooting. And I remembered. I looked outside this doorway. And I could see smoke from a Bradley's gun. And I could hardly hear the round shooting. It was as if my hearing was like shutting off. And everything was in slow motion. And again nothing mattered. It was just fucking utter chaos. And for whatever reason. I was enjoying it. I, I shouldn't have been liking that kind of moment because 
But again, this is what we're trying to do. And I just wanted, I mean, we had so much frustration, so much fucking anger built up. And we just wanted to fuck everything up because, you know, we've lost buddies. We've been extended. It's just, life is bullshit. And if we're going down, we're going down a fucking blaze of glory kind of thing. And and I just, I remember fixating on that Bradley. I could not hear that fucking thing shooting. And it like made me stop and realize I actually paused and thought about like holy fuck i can't hear that thing <laughs> i thought it was kind of cool and then continued on mission um that next morning i woke up to the machine guns from the humvees going off because they just shot a truck who was coming down our road uh, apparently this ro- this truck was coming down a road that we're that we're um that we we're on that was connected to this house and this truck late early morning started rolling up with his headlights off and they were warned to fucking they're they were warned to stop they kept coming fucking shot a warning shot kept coming and so our guys fucking took him out that's how i woke up that morning fucking truck getting fucking shot up by a 50 cal and i don't know at that point i was just you know i i didn't even fucking care anymore you know it's I mean, this is like right in the beginning of our extension, and the Marines were used a lot, using us for more infantry, tactical kind of stuff, and I, I just, I, I, at that point, I just kind of stopped caring about everything. I didn't really have any support at home. I didn't want to call home anymore because the last conversation, I couldn't stand the, I couldn't stand the. I couldn't stand hearing my kids' voices because it put me even in a deeper depression of being away from them. And I, I just, at that point, I just try to think about my kids and what it would be like to see them when and if I ever get home. Well, I remember after that mission, we ended up doing another mission. And, uh, and this mission actually involves some of the Marine Special Forces. And uh, we were in charge of... Uh... Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. So, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, shortly after that same... After I woke up to that truck being shot by the 50 cal, I remember I woke that day I ended up uh, getting into Bradley and we started doing some uh, missions on with Bradley's and I remember uh this mission was only supposed to be like a five hour mission and it turned into a three day mission and a few days later we ended up providing some kind of blocking positions for some Marines basically not letting anybody come into town and not letting anybody leave town and I stayed in this position while all the surrounding houses were searched for weapons and uh people of interest and I remember we I pulled up into this position at night and we just sat there all night until early morning and also tired and exhausted. I ended up cracking my hatch in my Bradley and I remember laying my head on the on the steering column of the Bradley and I just I just fell asleep. <laughs> I actually just blacked out from being tired, I think, but I remember that morning I woke up to the sound of fucking of a large blast 
and my eyes were burning and I could smell like this residuish type TNT gum powdery kind of and I turned my radio up to find out what the hell is going on because I thought we just got shot by a rocket because I mean we were right on a road in the open and I didn't realize I was parked maybe 100 feet 150 feet from this house well what I woke up to was a house being blown up by our engineer team our, in, our DOD team and they had put like 300 pounds of C4 in this house that was about 100, 150 feet away from and they, they blew it. And uh, waking up to a concussion, to a blast like that, I almost shit my pants. Because <laughs> I mean, I had no warning and all of a sudden it was just, it, it made me think of that IED blast I was in, you know, in August. This is probably February, March time, maybe. And, uh, and as I was learning more about the house, they were getting ready to blow it again because the first 300 pounds didn't do enough. So this time they put 500 pounds. And at this point, I was actually more coherent and knew what was going on. And apparently the house I was parked right next to was in Torture House. Apparently our dismount people were doing some uh, room searches or some house clearings came across this house and they found a, an Iraqi police officer handcuffed to a bed in this house with his kneecaps cut out. In one of the same rooms, uh, in the same room that cop was in, his uniform was in that room and it was like dry cleaned and pressed. In other words, insurgents were stealing these uh, police officers' uniforms and impersonating them. And in the same room, there was a garbage bag full of heads. And... And I remember uh, listening to the fucking radio traffic of us trying to get a Black Hawk to come in and medevac out that Iraqi police officer. But our our forces were pretty much being dicks about it, saying all the air support is for U.S. service members only. And this guy will have to wait as a low priority, even though he has a fucked up situation. And I remember calling home. I think maybe a week after that, my mom was asking me one day when I called home. Because I talked to my mom pretty regularly. You know, as, as much as I could, I talked to her. But she was asking me if, uh, if I was part of this Bravo company. And uh, from Minnesota. And I'm like, Mom, you know that. And she goes, well, if you're doing towers, why, why am I seeing you guys on CNN discovering torture houses? I'm like... Oh, I'm like, it's on CNN. So little did I know that that had captured so much attention that CNN caught wind of this, of our discovery. And I, I guess we're pretty popular that week on the news. But, I mean, it was a pretty fucking, it was a very disturbing finding. I mean, it's, this was the things that were happening over there when I was there, you know, even nearby, by, you know, undetected. I mean, it's. That country is a fucking fucked up stuff. I wish I wouldn't wish no no kid ever has to ever be subject to grow up with shit like that around them. So I, I remember like during Saddam's uh, final days in country that uh well actually. That hasn't happened yet, but 
So I remember I did another mission after that where I was part of a, a team to help with the Marine Recon, which is kind of like the Marine Special Forces. And we were put, we're, we're given a mission one late night unexpectedly that there was apparently like 30 some hostages being held captive near our location. And uh, I remember that I was a lead Bradley of my platoon at the time and and being out the lead Bradley, they came to me and pulled me into a meeting and they uh they asked me if I'd be okay and feel comfortable um leading the movement into this compound where there's apparently these uh hostages being held. And the risk I take is that I'm gonna be I'm gonna be basically driving my my Bradley or a tank through a wall of a building where the, the same building these hostages are in. And there's a good possibility there might be people on the other side of that wall. And they asked me if I'd be okay with collateral damage. Would I be would I be okay with knowing if I run over a few people, I'd be saving many at the cost of some. And, you know... I mean, at that point, at that point, I didn't even care. I was like, you know what? Fuck yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, it didn't even dawn on me that I might actually be running people over. But, you know, again, I was so distracted with hatred and frustration and loneliness and emptiness and numbness. It's just, I mean, at this point, my deployment, I honestly stopped really caring about my own well-being. I just didn't even give a fuck anymore. I was like, whatever, you know, it's, I'm breathing today, but I'm not promised tomorrow kind of thing, and I just didn't even care what I did anymore, as long as, you know, as long as I kept my guys around me safe, but as far as my own well-being, I didn't even care anymore at that point if I got shot, if I got blown up, if I got rocketed, if I, just because of the, the loneliness and the depression is just freaking built up so deep and big inside of me. I just had nowhere to fucking go, no one to talk to, no one to vent, no one to share my fucking inner problems with. I mean, we're all going through problems, and I just, at that point in my deployment, it just didn't even matter anymore what I did. I just, I was just there at that point. But I, but I remember after, uh, after that, we took off, and we couldn't actually find the location of this building that these hostages were apparently in and so I mean it was so nothing ever actually came out of that which I think back and I'm glad because if I known that I had to breach a building with people on the other side of that wall and killing any of them it, it would have haunted me but I know that later on that mission I think later on that week I ended up uh, breaching a fucking three foot wide wall which was one of Saddam's chemical refinery plants and I was the lead Bradley to fucking knock a hole in this wall so our marine team can go in and clear it for chemicals and stuff and uh that was a pretty intense mission but more so boring I don't know I mean there were so many things that were happening after this after our extension I mean it was I, I mean, I had so many fucking near-death experiences and close calls, and it's just... But I always think back to my friends that didn't make it, my friends that were blowing up, the Marine that had a rock in his gut. I mean, I, I kept thinking back about how everyone else has had it worse than I have, and 
I was yet expecting the worst to come, and I just took it one day at a time. But every chance I got, I would run under the fucking Arabic skies and watch the moon at night while listening to my headphones. Because running, even over there, was my true balance. It was the only way I could really kind of vent out, and that's when I discovered that there was nothing better in life than putting on headphones getting on the running shoes and just jogging your problems away because you feel so much better and you can think so much clearer. So after several months went by and we were finally getting ready to come home, I couldn't even believe that day actually came. I remember that it, we were finally actually getting our vehicles put away, stripping them down, turning in all our gear that was no longer, you know, essential, and we're putting in conics, and I'm like, holy fuck, we're actually, I, and I was, I was surprised, I was actually shocked that I had made it through the last, uh, 20 some months without getting shot, other than being shot at, being sniped at, being blown up, being fucking, it was, I didn't think that day would ever come. And I think the worst part about going home was the fact that it took us about four days to finally leave Iraq. Our our flights kept getting bumped for whatever reason. So we would be getting ready to go home one day. And all of a sudden they would say, um, no, it looks like tomorrow is going to be the day because whatever issue. And that just kept happening over and over and over. And it's like, fucking hey, what is it going to take to get out of this fucking shithole? And, you know, it's like, you know, this is like three fucking days. And, of course, when you're excited, I mean, I honestly was so excited to actually know I'm going to be able to actually hug my daughter, the girl that hardly knows her own father, see my boys again, hear their voices, the giggles. It was honestly... It was the only light of that deployment was knowing that I would actually physically be able to see my kids again after surviving, after going through everything I just did. And I remember when we uh, flew home, I could not sleep even for a minute. I was literally up for like 22 straight hours for that flight. And the idea of knowing I was actually going to be reunited with my kids was a feeling that was so overwhelmingly full of joy. But it also scared me too because I was worried that my kids might not think they know who I am anymore. I was worried about how I might be at home. How am I going to look at things? I mean... You just come off of a deployment for being gone for two years, and everything's different. Your kids' voices, their appearances, people are going to think differently of you. You're going to think differently of them. Your patience has been tested. You know, you got anger built up. But none of that really mattered because the only thing I thought about was... Seeing my kids at the parade field when I'm actually released and reunited with them. I, I can't even compare that moment to anything else in my life. 
knowing that I had survived certain death and the one thing I never thought would happen was actually holding all three of my kids again for the first time in two years.